Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In today's episode, get to speak with my good friend Ian Tolson. He lives in my favorite state in the whole wide United States, Colorado. And one of the reasons I love Colorado is it was my very first experience to live on my own with my wife because uh, after we got married, we stayed with my parents back in California. So it was a great experience. We got to, you know, make new friends. And I am a little bit jealous of Ian because he's living in this beautiful sunshine state. And literally, Colorado is a sunshine state. So how I met Ian is through the amazing group Donnie Boybin has started called So You Want a Podcast. And uh, we've been chatting back and forth, sharing our stories. And I was like, hey, Ian, how about we get on the call and do a podcast? And here we are, Ian. Ian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in a small town called Whitefish, Montana. I lived there for about 18 years, got really interested in skateboarding. And at about the age of 17, I realized I wasn't able to go professional in it because in skateboarding, you basically have to be a Michael Jordan <laughs> in the skateboarding industry. And so from there, I kind of tried to find different avenues. And so I got into bricklaying, I got into welding, I got into sales. And it's kind of turned into this nice, unique trend of network marketing and sales. So it's cool because there's this wide background experience that goes into a lot of practical application with getting to know people, relating with people on a lot of levels because I was like a bike messenger for a bit and I grew up on a farm. I've lived in the city. I've just kind of been all around snowboarding quite a bit too and played basketball. Just like like talking with people and like having fun. <laughs> awesome, dude. I mean, having such a rounded experience is, um, is super cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, bike messaging, bricklaying, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, because you know, the cool thing about having so many different experiences, you understand people mm-hmm. from many more backgrounds than if you just, like, you know, you're not that, you don't have that chip on your shoulder, oh, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You're much more down to earth. And, you know, talking to you, you know, you definitely sound like a down-to-earth guy. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. So what are you doing today? I mean, what makes you happening? <laughs> you know, I feel like I've gotten way more motivated over these past couple of weeks. I, everything in network marketing, I've been doing trial and fail for probably about the last four years. Yeah. And that was difficult. Today, though, and even just this last year alone, I've signed up more people. I've made more money than I ever have before. It's just all going in the right direction. My favorite 
my favorite recruitment cycle actually happened today where I didn't even have to get on the phone with this gal. She just like went and signed up. <laughs> and that was, that was the coolest thing ever. Cause I, I, I was dealing with some previous people in situations where it was like trying to pull teeth and she was just, Hey, I'm ready. I'm going to jump into it. It's like, I found out that this morning. So I was, I was pretty pumped on that. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, man. It's cool talking with you though, man. I, I like that you're into biking and that you have a kid and, Oh, I, was, I, I have more than one kid. You have more than one kid. Right. So you got, you have the baby and then you, how many kids do you have? I have a total of three kids, wow. um, a eight-year-old and a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Oh my gosh. Or eight and four, you know, they, they can uh-huh. play by themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I have to be on the call. And uh-huh. my wife's like, oh, I need to do grocery shopping. <laughs> like, uh-huh. well, if you can take the third one <laughs> <laughs> with you, you're supposed to sleep, and you know, kids, you know they, they don't know what time to sleep. Actually, they don't want to sleep. <laughs> right. They uh, want to wake you up at three in the morning, though, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, man. Um, so I so I love hobbies and and involving your brain because, like, you did all these things, like you know stuffing bolts, laying decks, welding. So I would consider them, I don't know if I, I mean, they are like well on full-time jobs people do, right? And it opens a part of your mind where you're like, you know, you see things from a totally different view, you can put things together. It's like, it's like when you're building Lego pieces, you're following the instructions. And he's like, oh, whoa, wait, wait, what did you do? And how did you come around and make this happen? Mm-hmm. It's like your mind opens up in so many different ways. And you're like, wow, okay, this is cool. Mm-hmm. So I like that, that. I really liked about that about you, you know, nice. having that experience. And so skateboarding is really cool. So I have a little short story about skateboarding. Well, it's like just a little bit. And that's... So I so I I really grew up in Saudi Arabia and skateboarding was very foreign to me. But when I came and visited uh, the United States back in 85 or 89, I went back with a skateboard or two because um I was and I was like 11, 12 and I was riding these skateboards but I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So what we ended up using it for <laughs> was uh, a furniture dolly. Nice. So really, really used to move furniture around in the house. <laughs> I've actually used my skateboard as a furniture dolly before, so I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, nowadays I see these motorized skateboards and, and you see Cassie, you know, Casey Neistat riding one in New York all the time. I'm like, you know, it would be really cool to, to get one of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, I just haven't um, had that uh, growth experience, like childhood experience to be riding a skateboard. But I did have experience riding bicycles because I would get go around riding bicycles in Saudi. So tell me, um, what about what about skateboarding did you like the most? You know, it was the fact that I was always pushing myself. Mm -hmm. 
I went from not being able, I was able to like go down two steps Yeah. and, and that was scary. And I got to the point where the, the highest stairs that I had dropped was 12 and the farthest gap I had cleared was 20 feet. Wow. Yeah. So I went from this point of being scared and timid, you could say, and actually being terrified for like four years of my life, just going in and skating. And it was, it was fun and it was progressive, but I was terrified of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So going from this point of terrified to accomplishment to comfort and being like, wow, I've done all this stuff. And honestly, I'm, I'm very grateful that I never went pro to begin with because I've watched countless number of interviews on professional skateboarders and they talk about all the injuries yeah. they've ever had in the world. And it's just, I'm just so grateful that I was able to have that experience, mm -hmm. but then also look back on it and be like, you know, this was a good, this was a good stepping stone for me yeah. because it really pushes me when I'm going for something now, it's, I have this idea in my mind of like, this is what it looks like in terms of reflecting back on my past and going forward. <laughs> no, that's a really good point because literally you have to push yourself when you're on a skateboard, unless you're going downhill. Mm. <laughs> right. You're literally pushing yourself to keep moving. So that's a really good analogy. I love it. Thanks. So tell me some more about, um, you know, how you came to be, I don't even know where I'm heading, but you had mentioned that you have some really crazy stories. Oh, with biking? Yeah, biking or, you yeah. know, yeah. Tell me your biking story, like being a bike messenger. What's that like? In oh, in Denver, it's fun. It was, I had to stop though, because I was noticing some of the risks I was taking and... I'm honestly very lucky that I was very fortunate to get out and be injury free. <laughs> it was funny because after I got out of bike messaging, I ended up having some of my worst accidents. But while I was in bike messaging, I remember there was a, uh, it was just fun, man. It, there was this friend I was talking with you about named Priam Shaw. He was, uh -huh. he looks a lot like you mm -hmm. and he had some of the fastest riding consistency speeds in the store. Right. Mm -hmm. And so our goal, my goal anyway, was kind of like, got to like, I don't know, I had to like get, I, I wanted to like compete with them type of thing. And it became really fun <laughs> because it got to the point where I was like, I was matching his speeds and everything. And we were, we were just going back to back and it got to the point where he's like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know, man, but it's rad. And we would just go back and forth at each other. There were times though, where I, uh, there would be cars going down this one specific road. And I'm sure you know, you know, Lincoln, right, right downtown. Mm-hmm. So that people are going probably like 25 to 35 on that road. Yeah. And I got to the point where I would look at the road and I would debate about crossing it on my bike. Hmm. And mind you, these cars are going sometimes 35 miles per hour and I'm looking at the road and I'm like, I can make it. And I would bolt. And the thing is, is like, the, it, there was probably like four other cars like on the road, but I just had it so to a T that I made it across and luckily I was on on spot every single time because I mean it was like car right behind me going 35 another car in front of me going 35 and just being able to weave just like go past this four lane road yeah. and then get to the other side safely it was just like how how did I even walk away from that realistically speaking <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty gnarly man mm -hmm. 
Wow. That was scary stuff. And you were uh, you were mentioning you did biking in Saudi Arabia. Did you start biking in the States and then go over to Saudi Arabia? or? So I grew up in Saudi Arabia like when I was seven. Uh-huh. Like, because I was born uh, in in Karachi, Pakistan, mm-hmm. and then around the eighties is when my my dad got a job out in, in Saudi Arabia. So we basically, you know, migrated to Saudi Arabia. So that's that's where I grew up. So in my childhood, uh, you know, we had different bikes, and then I would ride these bikes around. And towards the end, um, I had a mountain bike, and I would travel pretty far on it and go see my friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I never learned my lesson of locking down my bike mm-hmm. back there. And every single bike that I owned is now somebody else's bike. Oh, no. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was like, um, I guess, Dad, you didn't never got me a, <laughs> got me a lock and key or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would go to the grocery store and, and get groceries and bring them back. And um, I was like, I'm just going to take it. But there's, you know, there's kids around and, and oh, yeah. people will take opportunities and pick mm-hmm. them up. So I was into my, my, you know, basically just biking on the road. But I, I had different types of bikes at different points in my life. Mm-hmm. But then when I moved to when I moved to Colorado is when I was like, all right, I'm finally going to get a mountain bike. Cause I had been talking about getting a mountain bike for like six years before I actually got one. And I was like, all right, let's go mountain biking. And I, I go the first time I go mountain biking with my buddy and he's like, let's do night biking. I was like, <laughs> <Why?"> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm out of shape, you know, I haven't really, I just got the bike, you know, got to ride more. So we're, we go to this uh, trail and um, it's like the sun is going down and I didn't really have a light lighting system on my bike and I'm like riding it and then I'm like out of breath and the sun's coming down and it's getting really dark and all I have is a headlamp. So I turn around and I'm like, all right, you guys keep going. Uh-huh. You know, don't wait up for me. I'm just going to go back. <laughs> it's dark and I'm going back and I'm like trying to look. And I poke my eye with, with a tree branch. I was like, oh. wow. So that hurt. And I also left my gloves to where we started from. Luckily, the gloves were still there because I'm riding. Uh-huh. And I'm like, where's my gloves? I just took them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's dark. Yeah. yeah. And it's dark. So I come back. Like, all right, there the gloves are. <laughs> and then, you know, pack everything in them, like, still, like, rubbing my eye. That's the thing, right? So everybody talks about getting onto a bike. You totally forget about all the other things that you need. Mm. Right? So so that was my experience with mountain biking. I was, like, continuing mountain biking, and I got better. And um, when I moved here to the to the to Virginia, that's when I got into road biking. So two years ago, um, I met this team out here and um, in Virginia. Like, dude, we go ride, we we go road biking every weekend. We go road biking during the week. I was like, wow, all right, let me get into this. So that's a that's a fun story. But I want to know a little more about. Um, so you did bike messenger. Um, what else? Can you share with the audience that's 
like super gnarly and super motivational or like life learning lesson? Like, how did you get through it? You know, that's a great question, my friend. It was a, I think one of the gnarlier things I experienced, to be honest with you, was a psychiatry medication. Mm -hmm. I was on a drug called Ritalin growing up. It started, I think, I mean, I had to have been in like the fourth grade. So I was, I was a pre, I think I was like maybe before the age of 10, a little bit after the age of 10. And that was that was kind of intense because at first um, I remember like I was super happy. I had a lot of energy, just like every other kid does. You know, I was just the same as every other kid. I I was just kind of a class clown too. I got a, an award for it one year actually. <laughs> and uh, there was one time they sent me to the principal's office, and as the story goes, my principal explained to my mother that I was either going to be kicked out of school or I had to be on these these psych meds right so i get put on these psych meds and at first like i was just like okay this is this is weird i'm like i, I was like not into it at all like i bawled mm -hmm. my eyes out. i was like i don't want to take these i don't even know what they are but i'm yeah. really against this and my mom i think was just in kind of in a hard spot because it was like send my kid to school or what do i do type of thing and so i get put on these drugs mm -hmm. and initially it was like not i didn't really have it was like my thoughts kind of drifted away lost that energy I, it was to a point where the i didn't really eat as much food like i'm pretty sure i skipped some growth phases in my life you know like uh growing just physically and uh it got to the point where i was having suicidal thoughts and that was really hard and i didn't know it like i didn't know that this was a not normal thing mm -hmm. and so for it just got to the, it just, it just got like from bad to worse too, because it wasn't even like, I stopped taking the drugs, I think about three years after I started them. And fortunately for me, I was only taking them during the school year and I would intentionally skip out on them and stuff like that. But when I got into high school, I just quit them all together yeah. and uh, just gave them away to some friends because they're like, we want the drugs. And I'm like, okay, you take them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so it just kind of kept going. But even after the drugs, like I still had suicidal thoughts and it just got from like having the suicidal thoughts to I should act on the suicidal thoughts. And I never, fortunately, I never did anything. You know, I was always like, when I got to the point of like actually doing something, I was too afraid, which was really good. Mm -hmm. um, but even after 10 years 15 years later was actually the worst of it because I was I was kind of already in this bad spot as it was I was just being like a dishwasher in Montana at the age of like 19 or 20 and I worked around this guy who is like a 48 year old dishwasher so like earlier on in my in my uh, going to high school when I thought it was more acceptable so yeah. I was kind of bummed out on myself I'm like I'm not really going anywhere I'm not really progressing in life this is just no fun and and then like the the after effects of the drugs like 15 years later is kicking in harder wow and when it did when i started taking them that's really interesting yeah it was really intense to go through and i mean i had a whole plan i was like close to a bridge and i just i just had a whole plan that i was like ready to go do and things just got from bad to worse where um, my father ended up passing away and so i have that on top of this and and it was interesting man because like my dad really wanted me to go into an educational program of any kind. He didn't care what it was. He was just like, join the army. I don't care what you do. Just go into an educational program. Mm -hmm. And I saw this life coach previously that was like, you need to go into Job Corps. You'd be a really good candidate for Job Corps. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'll go into, I was like applying for Job Corps and dude, it was such a trip because the day that my father had passed away, had the cop come to my workplace. My mom was in the cop car and I got into the cop car. My, the cop told me, I was just like, what? Like it wasn't even realistic to me that that had happened. Yeah. Drove down about 40 miles away. It was in the middle of winter time. He actually died of hypothermia. Was in, yeah. So like was in the middle of winter time, drove through the snow to go to the hospital where he was at, saw his body. It was, it was really weird experience. Like I wish they would have not, let me just see him because it's like, why, like, why, why, what, you know, where's the common sense in that? (laughs) But I see his body. And then 45 minutes later, like literally on the dot, like going over to a different part of town that's away from the snowy areas, it's sunny. Mm -hmm. And I get a call from this random number that I've never seen before. I pick up the phone and they're like, this is Job Corps. We want you to come down to Utah can you make that happen? And I look at my mom and I'm just like blown out of my mind at this point. I'm like just dealing with my father's death and everything. And I'm just like, mom, what do I do? And she's like, just tell him yes. And I was like, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. And so to me, that was like a, like a God touching moment because that's not like a quote unquote coincidence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I deal with that and I go down to Job Corps. It's actually the exact thing I need. Get away from everyone I know. Be in a different environment. I've never met anybody before. Mm-hmm. And from there, my life kind of just went in the right direction where I got into the bricklaying and then I moved to Colorado and everything has just gone super good from there. And actually, it was only about four months ago, I did this one therapy process where I never have had the suicidal thoughts again. I'm like totally free of that. And I keep on having like, I just break down into tears sometimes because I'm like, wow, I'm not like thinking about in the back of my mind. I don't have this little demon that says off yourself or yeah. jump off a bridge or something like that. So that was like a very mentally enduring thing. But coming out of it, I'm very grateful for it because it really gives me a different perspective on life. And I can see people who have a really good life and how they live and then people who have a bad life. And I kind of have this like in between where my life wasn't super great and it wasn't super bad either. I can kind of see that I'm in this in between transition of like my life was about, I don't know. I feel like in some cases as average as many people go through. Cause I talk with people who've been through the military and they've had, they've taken a bunch of these drugs and some of them are in much worse situations. And then I look at people who are, have had a really good life and I was very fortunate. I was raised by a single mother who had a huge business and I was, I never had to worry about money. I was always very taken care of, like was able to go out to skateboard camps growing up in California, which was just so fun. And so realistically going forward now, I just look at it as that's what really made me who I am and really has turned me into the person that makes me like relatable and I can get where people are coming from and truly get it. Because when someone's had a really good life. Everything's gone super fine for them. Everything's been super great for them. They don't have an understanding of when people are like, man, I'm taking these drugs and things are bad or they've, they've never touched drugs before. So they really can't even talk or relate to anyone except for the small minority of people. Because I, I think just in generalities, like there's a lot of people who do take drugs and that's, and I get why that happens and I get how that happens and they use it as a coping mechanism for sometimes some people just want to do drugs and that's, that's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get and understand 
more where people are coming from. And it just makes me grateful that I can just be on people's level and I don't have to have this. I, I can just be on their level and I, I don't have to act like the people where my life has been super great and super wonderful and everything's been taken care of for me. And, oh, and I look down on those people who do drugs. I'm like, no, I was one of those people who, do, mm-hmm. who did drugs. You know, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was at the age of like, I don't know, 12 and my brother introduced me to alcohol. You know what I mean? And so like I could have gotten into alcoholism and I saw the signs and luckily I was aware of them. So I stopped doing it. But yeah, it's just that that was definitely one of the like gnarlier things that have happened to me. Luckily, like I've never, I've never been raped before or anything like that. I know that's, that's really a really really hard one. Yeah. Wow, man. That's, that was uh, some inspiring story. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) A really, really grateful thing. Mm -hmm. Our parents, right? They go through so many things to make sure that we have everything that we need. Mm-hmm. And it shows, you know, your mom was your your support system. Mm-hmm. Right? So having that support, having that anchor in your life, mm-hmm. it's, it's super, super important. Super, super awesome, man. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's, it's cool because now you can, you know what a good example looks like that. You can do that for your own kids, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Man, so I'm the oldest of. Um, so you you mentioned you had a brother. How many other siblings did you have? I actually just have one. He's technically a half brother, but I mean he's my only brother, so I just consider him like we're we're brothers. <laughs> and um, I have him, and that's pretty much it, man. Like he moved out when I was about he moved out when I was about ten. So from there on, I was kind of just like chilling at the house by myself, which was cool. Like I got a it really made me an independent person like my mom was definitely the one who raised me like my dad wasn't there much either when i grew up which was in in a in a really cool way it really has made me an independent person like i'm i moved out to colorado by myself i'm planning on moving in june by myself like i'm not i don't really have a tie or a i need to be around family or i have to be around friends i'm like i'm just going to go make new friends like you experienced when you came to colorado because i know we chatted about that a little bit <laughs> No, no, absolutely. That's just so, so, so cool. Yeah, so um, I'm the oldest of seven siblings. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's a pretty awesome experience too. Cause, mm-hmm. And um, the one thing that I'm really bad at or really good at is not remembering. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so I have very, very faint memory of what my childhood was like. Like I know the milestones, right? I, I grew up in, I grew up in Pakistan, and I, I used to like go around um, in the in the neighborhood, and I had friends in the neighborhood, and so I remember that, and I remember moving out here mm-hmm. to uh, Saudi Arabia, and like I have very very little memories of things, and uh, like getting the bike stolen, that's definitely a topic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's a lot of different memories and and so every time anytime i can get connected with my my high school friends they remind me you know i i start those memories start coming back it's really cool that uh it's cool yeah so i have a question for you though so you yeah. said you have six other siblings yes you're the first of all you're you were the first one born so at one point, 
did you move to the States and did you have other siblings with you? Where was it like four of you moved over to the States or was it only you or? So um, when we moved to the States, I, I was, um, I was the first one to move out here in 95, end of 95. And then my sister, she moved over the next year. And then later on, my siblings, they all moved in, you know, one after the other. I think 2003 is when everybody moved out here. But cool part about me is, um, or about moving out here, was um, my mom is one of nine siblings. Oh, my gosh. So her eight brothers and sisters had already been living in the United States. Oh. Yeah. So remember I told you we, we came and visited in summer vacation in 85 and 89. Mm-hmm. So we came here to visit them. Oh. So when I moved out here, you know, the family is already set up. There's already like, oh, you go here to meet these guys. You know, there's everything, like the whole family situation is set up. So I didn't really have to make a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have time to make a lot of friends because there's so much family. Yeah. <laughs> relatives in California, you know, that live close by. It used to be a smaller number, of course. But over time, it grew. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, Denver was the first place I, had, I knew nobody. Because uh, in, in California, you've got family, you've got relatives, you've got people you know from school, people you know from uh, different organizations that you're part of and whatnot. So that was the first time I was like, okay, oh, this is how you make friends. <laughs> mm. And uh, it was really cool because it, I think it was mostly my wife who went and connected with the wives of the friends that I made, <laughs> essentially, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So that was uh, <laughs> Yeah. How is that for you though? Cause I mean, so you come that, and that's kind of an interesting thing cause you're going from being around your entire family, having seven siblings and then coming over to the States where you also have family. And then it makes a very comfortable setting it is. to, yeah, to get to know like other people in school and stuff like that, which is cool. What was it like coming to Colorado for the first time and then being like, how do I make a friend? Like, did, was there, was it confusing at all? Or were you, were you ever like, man, I want to go back? Or like, what was that scene for you? So what it was like mostly was that I moved to Colorado for work. Mm-hmm. So I already have that anchor in place. Mm-hmm. So all the people at work, you know, you get, those are your friends. Those become your first friends. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. So my boss was really cool. And we used to like, uh, take smoke breaks and he would go smoke and he like, Hey, I'm going to go take a break. <laughs> go. So we'd go and, you know, and cause it was, it was me and another guy who had just started working. So we'd just go hang out with him, uh, <laughs> chat and talk about, talk about, you know, what projects we're working on in life and yeah. religion and all these things. So it was really cool. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was, you know, he, he was him. Those two guys became essentially my first friends. And cool. then, Around, um, I think around summertime, I think it was around June or July, we had the month of Ramadan. Since I'm a Muslim, the month of Ramadan came where, you know, you're going for breaking the fast during sundown. And then, so we were going to the mosque. We're like, or what's the closest mosque? And we'd go to this one place every day. And we'd, you meet, 
you meet other people that are just got moved out here as well. So those became the second friends. And those, those are the ones, you know, that are, you know, you're meeting, you're hanging out with their, with their families. The kids have somebody to play with. You know, that's the first thing you ask, oh, how many kids do you have? Ah, okay. Like, so it kind of, uh-huh. yeah, so it's kind of like anytime you go to somebody's house, my oldest son's like, okay, do they have kids? That <laughs> makes sense. I would, I would say the same thing if I was in his shoes. <laughs> like, go there. I want to make sure that I am entertained as well. <laughs> right. Really and so, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's what it was like. I mean, it's pretty cool. That's, those are some good questions. We might have to do another episode and, you know, go a little bit. Yeah. Into that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> um, so this is the point of the podcast where we where I have a few questions for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that what is one hobby that you wish you got into? You know, that's a good question. To be honest with you, like I kind of dabbled it in a a little bit and I had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. I would say like jewelry making was definitely a fun thing. But I, I kind of wish that I would put a little bit more emphasis on it because, I mean, I would, I don't know, like I would make things and I'd be like, oh, that looks cool. And then my brother, like it, it's a very small thing, right? Like I'd see my brother would see it and he'd be like, that's kind of cool, man. And he's like, you know, you could like sell that kind of stuff. I'm like, and I always kind of just downed myself. on. I'm like, yeah, but it's like, you know, it's just not going to work. Too many people yeah. do it. It's oversaturated market. But like, I feel like I kind of want to get back into that just more on just like a fun level and like making making it for friends or like sending one out just to like people I do podcasts with or just like any of those like fun little things that could really make a difference because it's I don't know I just have a knack for like finding things and then putting them together in kind of like a nifty unique way (laughs) that's really cool you can have a Etsy shop going on there we go there we go I'll have to write that down (laughs) so what is your favorite movie or tv show I really liked Avatar and American Werewolf in London. They're two kind of, I don't know, American Wolf in London is definitely an older one, but Avatar I feel like is one that a lot of people relate with and can kind of have that viewpoint. Because when you look at it, Avatar isn't just like a cool movie that had really good graphics. Like it actually kind of relates to the US in a, in a like a very like like kind of, like whoa type of way but a lot of good things happened in that movie that mm-hmm. didn't happen in the u.s because like in the states like this might be kind of upsetting for some people but we we like hurt a lot of the native americans oh yes you know and that that's kind of hard and so like they basically kind of like i feel poked at that a little bit in that movie did it mm-hmm Mm -hmm. And so that was something that really was heartfelt for me because I've always been very, I've always respected the Native Americans. I have a very high value for them. I'm like, it's kind of just like a family thing too, where you kind of have that, like you have like the, the army or like the military, which you respect. And then there's definitely like Native Americans and everything they did and the tribal experiences and stuff like that. Very cool. Yeah. No, I, uh, Avatar is one of my favorite movies also. Oh, nice, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> Can't wait for the next one. Uh-huh. Oh, is there a second one coming out? Dude. <laughs> Dude, like obviously. <laughs> my bad. But, but um, uh, James Cameron has been talking about it and uh-huh. uh, he's pushed the date multiple times. Like it was supposed to come out last year, mm-hmm. but it got pushed and pushed because 
Uh, that's one cool thing about James Cameron. I can I, I can go on forever. Uh-huh. And, um, he like he doesn't get into something unless he knows that he's got the technology done for it. Like that's cool. The 3D technology that was used in Avatar, mm-hmm. he came up with it. Mm. Like he is a genius in that area. Wow. And what got him started for that movie was um when he went and watched the first Star Wars. He was so pissed. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he was pissed. That's great. Yes, like, literally. And like <laughs> since then he's just been working towards building the technology to, you know, make his mark on the world. Wow. Titanic, he did a lot of underwater videos, movies, and then then he, you know, he did the 3D tech and then Avatar happened. Mm. And it blew the box office like the best sold movie. Mm. I don't I don't know if it, it if it surpassed Titanic or not. Wow. All right, so so yeah, awesome. What is your favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? That is a good question. I definitely like Spider-Man for a and still like Spider-Man for uh, for a few reasons. He's an acrobat. I grew up as a gymnast. Mm-hmm. And his ability to fight is something that's just like it's clever and it's funny and it's unique where he's usually smaller than most of his enemies. And so he he goes up against these people that are a lot bigger than him. And actually, I'm just realizing this now. I've like gotten into fights with my dad and my brother and both of them. Like I got into fights with my dad when I was like, I would say six. And so he, here's this like full grown six foot three guy that's definitely a lot bigger than me. And I'm like crawling on his back and I'm like choke holding him and he's like hitting me against, I don't know. Anyway, but Spider-Man definitely because he's clever and he's funny and he kind of gets under the skin of his, of his opponents and kind of really like mind screws with them first, which if you notice like Muhammad Ali does that too, where he kind of got under their skin a little bit before they even got into the ring and fought with them. Oh, that's interesting. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? Dude, that's such a good question. I would definitely have to say chess. All right. All right. Awesome. Yeah. It's a good game. That's a good game. It is. Cool. So, Ian, <laughs> you have a nickname. Do you want to share that or <laughs> you want to tell Pretty- a little story about that? Sure. So my nickname is Sunshine. It's kind of fitting because I've always had a very, I don't even know if I've had necessarily an optimistic viewpoint, but people like to clarify it as that. And I guess I looked into optimism and it, it's kind of like making the best out of the worst situation and scenario you have. I think people have a different, maybe like a different thought process they have for the word optimism, but that's, that's one of the definitions that I think fits the most and people kind of like uh, like get relate to and a lot of it has to do with like even when I was going through like some of the more like I don't know just looking back on my life it's just a lot of you know things could have been worse things could have been much more upsetting things could have sucked things could have been this way Mm -hmm. and I just try to take life kind of as looking at it from like you know it could have been worse and it wasn't some parts weren't that fun but I look at it more from a benefit point of like, you know, but like, look where I'm at now and look how hard I'm trying now and look where I'm going in this direction. I just have a much more upbeat mentality instead of this 
life has happened to me and I'm more viewing it from I am making life happen. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. Thanks. Well, Ian, uh-huh. sunshine, thank you so much for your time. Mm-hmm. This was a really awesome conversation. Yeah. Um, we got to touch on some really cool uh, points that we both jive in and uh-huh. we I definitely need to get on a call with you again and yeah. talk about some of these cool things because, um, <laughs> uh, man, this is great. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's fun chatting with you. It'd be fun to hear more about your your kiddos and yeah. just yeah. like the culture that you that you've gone with with your religion. Like, do you refer to it more of a religion or is it more like a lifestyle? Because it sounds like it's more of a lifestyle because you're it fasting. Is for a lifestyle actually. Yeah. Um, uh, Islam is a way of life because they you know in islam uh, like if you look at the cost the u.s constitution mm-hmm. and the the rights of human i mean there's a lot of lot of similarities mm-hmm. with islam and be good to the neighbor and it's, it's like in islam they say everybody who's around you 40 houses down is your neighbor and you need to make sure that they're doing well and they're they're not in trouble and if you can help in any way you need to do your best and and that's like that's one of the one of the met, met mentalities that um islam brings to you mm-hmm. um, i like that really it's really powerful and and it'll take another podcast to go into a lot of these things but yeah absolutely man we can we can have another chat and talk about those things yeah, that would be really cool because I, I feel like I've kind of been in multiple religions throughout my life. And like, I really like your viewpoint and the 40 houses down sort of thing because that's true. You know, it's not just about your house and your neighbor's house, it's about everybody's house. It's trying to make sure that everybody's doing well versus just me and my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you so much again. We'll chat with you soon. That sounds great, my friend. Looking forward to it. <laughs> See you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today.